630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Brendan Ulrich, some of your high school teachers just said hi. That's amazing. Yeah, no kidding. They're big Oilers fans. They listen to Oilers now, Mr. Anastasio, Mr. Uh, How do they listen to Oilers now while they're teaching? They have, while they're big shots now. I think one of them's like the principal now, so they, they, can they do just, whatever they want. They just pipe it through the PA at school. Yeah. Kids in the background, you'll be hearing <laughs> Oilers now with Bob Soffer with O'Leary grad Brendan Ulrich producing. Uh, yeah, I went back there to just to check out, to do some uh, speaking to the kids not too long ago, and they have like uh, a salon in the in the high school now. Like high school has changed a lot since I was there. They had a full blown shop. Like it was incredible. Like for all the well, kids. Well, you've only been out of high school like what four years? No, longer than that. Okay. Oh wait, I graduated. Uh, O'Leary was that the Spartans? O'Leary Spartans, yeah. We did that high school sports show a couple months ago. That was fun. Did you inside sports? From there? Uh, no. no, I don't know. Northsiders, yeah, we're not very good. <laughs> oh come on! Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Kellen's a Northsider too, aren't you? He is. I am. You were, don't tell me, uh, not McNally, the other one with an M. He, he always screws this up. Uh, yeah, well, because I, I didn't go to high school here, so they're all foreign to me. What's <laughs> the other one with, with the M? It's not McNally. He, was, oh. he dressed up as the mascot. He was the voyageur. He was uh, voyageurs, right, Kellen? Yes, that's right. What's the voyageurs oh. in M-E- the high school? Emmy Lazert. Oh, Emmy Lazert voyageurs. Kellen was the mascot. Really? Yes, he won mascot of the year. Well, don't incredible. go that far, but... <laughs> hey, just go with it, everybody. Sure. Just like Lac LaBiche is the inside sports community of the evening. By the way, we're live at the downtown Edmonton community rink. It's the Billy Moore's Cup to wrap up. Oh, look at look at all the people coming to say hi. Jim Matheson is here. Maddie. The do we have a, hey, do we have a working headset for Jim? I'm shocked. Here, put Jim on the... We're going to be live, Jim, so don't say anything bad about your golf game. <laughs> Uh, Brendan Ulrich, Reed Wilkins, and now here, put this down here. There we go. He, this is three he, generations he claimed, of sports broadcasters to know right how to here. Do it. Hi, Jim. You're live on Inside Sports. What's going on? Well, I didn't even know you were here. I didn't know you gained it. <laughs> how do you not Dane. see the big setup? Dane, oh, I can't see past all the people that are here. I'm in the end. Huh? Uh, like so, I had to ask who scored one of the white goals because I was talking dear, to somebody at the time. Yamamoto, Bouchard, and McPhee I knew who scored. scored the first two. I just didn't know who's going to Well, I, I think Yamamoto's the best player on the ice, which he should be. Uh, well, he should be. Yeah, he's he's the best prospect on the team. If he's not the best at a development camp, <laughs> then well, how could he be the best prospect? Yeah, yes. you saw Bouchard fire that one. Though. Oh yeah, he can really shoot. Which uh, he seems to he seems to be pretty calm under fire. He just you know a lot of, everybody else is skating a million miles an hour, and he just kind of pretty calm. So he, I noticed a couple of times there he goes from the right boards into the middle of the ice to shoot. Like a lot of defensemen do to get a better angle. Uh, how was your chat with Jerry Johansson today, Milan Lucic's agent? I did talk to him several days ago, actually. Not today. I just was running today. <laughs> oh, I just oh, timed sneaky, it. Okay. Sneaky veteran play there. <laughs> Experienced journalist at his best. There were not a lot of. Uh, there were several texts sent before uh, before he actually talked. So, but not 
Text but not replies. Right, of course. Uh, I, we were talking about this in the last... Okay, I'll finish my thought first of all, since both of you guys are here now. The biggest concern for me, and I guess kind of frustration as a viewer of the games was not Lucic's drop-off in goal scoring, though it was concerning, but he missed three or four open nets where he hit a post or shot it back into the goalie. I'm going to point across the ice. Do you guys see the pro plumbing and heating sign? It's it's halfway between You're the top of the circle and the blue line. Doing commercials Big, for Quick plug for pro plumbing <laughs> yeah, and heating no and, and Raf, who I used to work at Chet. Well, it is Raf's company. That is no Raf's way. company. <laughs> How often would he get the puck there and then it was lost in his feet or a cross-ice pass that would get picked off or go to nobody? Now, I think part of that was the trouble he had handling the puck. And I'm going to ask you, I've never brought this up to you, Jim. At what point do the coaches have to say, Milan, we'll get you the puck there, and then we're going to make sure the center is 10 feet away from you, not 50. So all you got to do is chip a little pass to a guy who's skating out yeah, with speed. What, he, he, he doesn't know this play? He's played 10 years in the league by now. Well, think. well, true, but still, the guys need help. I guess they need help. I just don't, don't think he, his decision-making was very quick last year. I think he, I think, I think it's overblown that he can't skate well enough. In a straight line, he skates fine. I think his decision making with the puck on his stick wasn't up to a ten-year veteran, up to a player who normally gets 50 points a game. And I think from Christmas time on, I think he totally just lost his confidence. Didn't even want the puck, and uh, he got one goal. And you know, it's it's hard to fathom how he could be as bad next year offensively in terms of scoring goals as he was this past year but you always have to wonder when you get to be a certain age at what point is it just an outlier of one bad season or is it the start of a decline yes when you get to it when you get to a certain age uh at what point you know does he just not handle the puck as well as he used to handle it and you know you watch these young kids out there the game's awfully fast now so you don't have much time to to do the stuff you want to do and i think the game's changed for milan Player, the opposing team's not going to fight him unless he's engaging himself. Unless someone protects their goalie, yeah. like Tatterglass <laughs> tried to. Or, you know, or unless he's actually going out himself and standing over a goaltender in the crease and say, "What are you going to do about it?" That part of the game, you know, it, it's inconsequential now. You see the teams that are playing in the Stanley Cup Final. There's just skate hard, body check, and and that's it. Well, Reeves and Wilson had impacts at times, though. Wilson's clearly become the more well-rounded player. That's true. Um, but Wilson looks like he, he goes looking for it. Yeah. And and so does Reeves. They kind of both go looking for it. And I think Milan used to, but now I think he has to try that a little bit in some games where not much is happening, and then he has to he has to do something himself. And I, I, I he's a really good player. I don't know. Like I said, I don't think he can he can be as bad as he was last year. And I know people you know people here in edmonton they certainly fall out of love with players in a hurry you know one minute you're a 50 point player the next minute you can't play at all let's just get this guy out of town and for you know a couple of boxes of timbits you know <laughs> so <laughs> that's I mean, great i mean it's it's kind of ridiculous to be honest so is he on the Oilers' start of the year i think it be i think he is I think he is, despite too. all the rumors. I mean, it's nice to say let's let's trade him and get rid of the contract. Well, I don't see anybody taking that contract unless you're taking their their player 
back at four and a half million or something that they don't want, like Martin Hansel or somebody in Dallas who's making 4.5 for the next two years. And they say, yeah, well, you know, Hansel is hurt all the time and he's a sand. We don't really need him. You take him for two and we'll take your guy for five. And if it doesn't pan out after two, we'll buy him out or something. So I, I just don't see it. Got a text. Got a text here from Brian. This might be a little politically incorrect to read it, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, Brendan Ulrich, Brian says, "Your last name is not Italian or Ukrainian. How did you get into O'Leary?" <laughs> That's so true. That's hilarious. He, he was really good at soccer. Yeah, no, no actually, oh, yeah. my mom is a little bit Ukrainian, or she is half Ukrainian, so I guess that's why. But yeah, Ger- I don't know. It's how come you're, you're slumming here with with the Oilers when you're such a Capitals fan? Oh, jeez. You know, I don't want to be a homer when I'm on the radio, so I like to keep hey. it uh, casual. I thought you were going to ask him why he's slumming and being on inside sports. No, 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 you're fine, people, and I, I just figured that, you know, that you're such a capitals. Fan. I just want to follow up with something you were saying there, Jim, about is one bad season the outlier, because there is interest in Jason Shamara by the sounds of him for agency for the Oilers, and he's coming off a terrible season. He had three goals last year, so why is there all this interest, I guess, from the Oilers, it seems, and it's just talk, but is that a guy you would be going after? in the first wave of free agency here. I love Jason Chimera. He's a friend. <laughs> oh, see, there you go. I don't... That's why I don't mix I, the Oilers when I talk about the Capitals. I don't see it. I don't. I mean, I just don't see it unless... Last year, he seemed to have lost all ability to to do anything offensively, you know, and he's always had the ability to get on the pucks and do some stuff offensively, but last year he certainly didn't, and he didn't play very much in Anaheim towards the end of the year, right. so he can skate well enough to play uh, now. I, ho- I mean, f- considering he's a really good guy and he's from Edmonton, it'd be a nice way to finish your NHL career. Um, I don't know. I mean, the orders aren't, whatever that is, they're not going to spend a lot of money on the free agents they signed, and they've only got 10 forwards signed, and, and Strom would be the 11th, so that, to my way of thinking, they needed three more forwards unless yeah. they suddenly... And they can't, like, we're looking at players a million each, yeah. or a little less even. So, well, you know, we'll see. I mean, like I said, it would be nice, but he has to, you know, find the net a little bit more than he did last year. It's Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal. Hey, next time we'll get you a chair, okay? Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Inside Sports from the downtown community rink. The second half of the Billy Moore's Cup is about to start. The goal scorers, Yamamoto, Bouchard, and McPhee to this point. We're coming right back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, Darren texting 630-630. He goes, exactly, Milan Lucic needs to go out and bang and crash and be a power forward, be the aggressor, take the bull by the horns, etc. It's all in his head. Pretty sure he has the heart, but he needs to rediscover his desire. That is from Darren texting 630-630. It is June 28th. We're watching a hockey game. We're talking about Milan Lucic. It is fun to cover sports in Edmonton. We have an Eskimos game tomorrow. Six o'clock countdown to kickoff on this station. Actual kickoff at eight. Eskimos against the BC Lions. All right, Brendan, you're going to be our sideline reporter, as you always are for that game. We've picked apart the defense to death, I think. And it wasn't a good game. All right. I mean, we've we've been throwing a lot at at Hoover and and Hunter. Yeah. Um, 
you know, having said that, there were other opportunities and other guys who didn't make plays in that game. And I was listening to the game, especially the second half in Dallas at the draft. And I could just, I could hear it in how Morley and Dave were describing the game. You could hear it in the the, the background noise at Commonwealth Stadium was next to nothing. Yeah. And I've, I've been in the stands in those games where you're just waiting for the Eskimos to do something positive and nothing's happening. And I, I think it's... I th- I think it's a little unfair to throw the in- that entire game on the defense because the offense Absolutely. didn't initiate much either. Yeah, that's 100% fair. And I think the defense was tired for, for most of the game too because the offense couldn't get any first downs. So they're back on the field instantly and they're going up against players like, like Banks with all this speed. So they were a little bit tired, I think. And the offense just couldn't get any first downs. They kept taking deep shots. Um, they couldn't get anything going on with the running game. They didn't really try. They sort of abandoned it quickly. But you think you would try to at least throw it to Gable a little bit in that situation. They weren't doing that. I think they missed a guy like Brian Mitchell, Reed, the short yardage guy that can get open. And, of course, they had Zilstra last year for that too. So I think they're missing a little bit of that. And maybe that's why they're putting Bahar into the starting lineup because he's a guy that can line up all over the field. He's played all five positions, or he can line up in all five positions by the sounds of it. So... Well, and they've taken a Canadian out on defense, yeah. so to keep the ratio the same, they had. But but Bahar had three big catches. I mean, and actually, the two-point convert didn't count as a catch no. in the stats. So he had three catches plus the two-point convert in Winnipeg. He's well, he's that an was appealing Hazleton's play. Yes, that was that Hazleton's was play, and he just went out there and executed. And, and Bahar is a, a very appealing Canadian prospect receiver. I mean, Devin Bailey and Shamad Chambers were here. Um, you know, you had guys, they were draft picks. I mean, you had Kuhorn, who I don't think was ever quite, who was effective, but I don't think was, was had the same ceiling as Bahar. So so he's an interesting one. He's an interesting one to me if he can help out. But, I mean, yeah, they're missing, uh, clearly they're missing Zilstra, but I still thought the receiving core would be able to put up yards. Duke Williams made the big play. Walker had the big play in Winnipeg. And look, as much as, oh, and the blue team, Team Gretzky finally gets a goal here. Kirill Maximoff, nice little snipe from in tight. So they get on the board. 3-1 for Team Messier. Earlier goals by Yamamoto Bouchard and uh, and McPhee. And, and look, Riley was the MOP. He could very well win it again this year. They had some off games last year. Yeah, I think he had a bit of an off game on Friday. Oh, for sure. And it looked so promising at the start. He hits that deep pass to Duke Williams. And they kept trying to do the deep pass every time. But it was just, uh, they just couldn't get it going. And Hamilton's defense is good as well. They had a lot of good quality corners. And uh, they, they were getting some pressure on Riley too. So, and all around, just, uh, you know, sometimes you need to credit the other team. And I think that was Hamilton. They just came in. They were all business and took care of business in that game. Uh, it's interesting looking around the league, the league right now. You're just seeing teams get demolished, like, for the first two well, the first it's week, like, all, so the first weird. week, all the games were close. Yeah, and then the second week was it's all crazy. blowouts. So yeah. is that what those teams are? I don't think so. So it'll be interesting to see what SMO team we get tomorrow night. Okay, and I'm curious to see what we get from because here's how I see the CFL right now. Montreal might be one of the worst CFL teams of all time. <laughs> it looks like okay. What, what was it? 2004. Hamilton went one and 17. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. I'm 50-50 really. if I think Montreal is going to win a game. 
I mean, since they play, now watch them beat Saskatchewan on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I mean, I know the Riders don't have Kolaros, but okay, to me, Montreal is clearly the worst team. I still think by the end of the year, BC is going to be the eighth best team in the league. And I would still put them there now. Now I'm running my mouth. If they beat the Eskimos, they beat the Eskimos. But that's what I think. Calgary still looks like they're number one. And then the other six teams... To, in my mind right now are a pretty big jumble mm-hmm. and I'm not and now if the Eskimos would have beat Hamilton last week I, I would have them above that but yeah. given how you know Ottawa's only played one game but they, they look pretty good I, I think there's something there with Hamilton now Toronto's in tough without Ray but you know with Trestman coaching he always figures it out those are always very steady teams and uh, and then I think Winnipeg is still going to be a dangerous team even with Strevler until Nichols comes back so that's why I put those six teams in there together I don't know who can separate I'm, I'm hoping it's the Eskimos that wind up separating but I, I gotta tell you I, I haven't put my worry pants on yeah. but I I've moved them a little closer up in the closet where I can reach them easier. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And uh, they have a lot of injuries right now. How will that defense look when when uh, Col- or Arjun Colhoun's back? He'll be a, he'll help that secondary a lot. Um, I don't know. Does well, Lad- Colhoun's a good player. Will Ladler come back from the NFL at some point as well? That's another possibility. Like we're looking down the road here, but the Eskimos still, I'm saying, can get a lot better. Is what I, what I will Zilstra come back from the NFL? Oh, there's another guy. That'd yeah. be nice. You don't know, but. I mean, Walker came back last year, and all of a sudden they got a big boost. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. There are a lot of good teams, it seems like, in the CFL this year. And Calgary just looks unbelievable now that they have all this speed with the running back position because they they got Eric Rodgers, first of all, back from the NFL. And then Messam, the big power back, they had the speed with Williams. Who's the other guy? Jackson. Williams and Jackson have this dual threat at running back with so much speed now. So they look unbelievable out there. All right, Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich. We're at the downtown community rink. The Oilers Billy Moore's Cup game is going on to wrap up development camp. It's the uh, the second. I believe they're doing two 20-minute stop time halves. We're almost halfway through. The goal scores: Yamamoto, Bouchard, and McPhee for Team. Messier and Kirill Maximoff have uh, scored in this session here for uh, for Team Gretzky. Uh, this texture here is a Flames fan who's saying Milan Lucic was a well-thought-out addition for the Oilers. He slows McDavid down. I hope he milks this pricey contract as he should. Smiley face. Who scored that one? Maximov just rep one from the Another high one. slot top corner. Wow, what a shot. Well, that's good. I mean, the, the, the team he's on, the blue team, was dominated in the first half. Yeah. Maximov has that's two goals now for him. Here in the well, second. here's the thing. The, the, and that's why I think if they... I think if... It had been between Dobson and Wallstrom at the draft. It would have been Wallstrom, the right winger, because he can shoot the puck. Because mm-hmm. who's who's a pure sniper on the Oilers in terms of he can get a shot off and score from almost any area? In, not maybe not inside the blue line, but certainly top of the circles down. Do they have a ripper like that? They don't. The the not every team. one, I would say, and he's a center though. Well, you want yeah, to true. That can do that. He's probably got the most, yeah, for a forward, he's probably got the best all-round yeah. shot on the team in terms of, now McDavid obviously has a great wrist shot, but we've seen Dreisaitl add the one-timer to his game, yeah. or try to, and especially the, the down-low one. So a guy like Maximoff, he's a player that they're hoping he comes up and he's the winger who finds areas on the ice and can, and can rip shots and snipe goals. Anyway, some of these guys, it'll be a 
year two or three before they're on the oil. So we're getting to watch them right now. We're going to bring in Kevin Jesus from Global Television for an update on the World Cup. You can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich, Inside Sports on 630 Jet. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. We're live at the downtown community rink. Edmonton Oilers' Billy Moore's Cup wrapping up their development camp. Kyler Yamamoto has scored twice. Kirill Maximoff has scored twice. Evan Bouchard and Graham McPhee have also scored. McPhee looking pretty good out there. Ryan McLeod showing off his wheels. He's the fast skater drafted in the second round by the Oilers this season. Pretty good outing in goal by Stuart Skinner, who played uh, the first half of this game. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich checking in. It is 7.33. The World Cup moving along. The group stage is over. We're into the knockout stage. To break it down, we welcome my buddy from Global Television, my former co-worker at Newcap Television in Lloyd Minster. It's the one and only Kevin Jesus. Kevin, how's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? Good. How nervous are you for the Portugal game coming up in a couple of days? Are you already getting ramped up? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. You know, the worst part was Portugal was just a couple minutes away from finishing first, which would have put us on the easier side of the bracket. Instead, we've got all the giants, uh, so it's going to be tough for Portugal. But I'm still confident. I'm still confident. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it's funny. Uruguay was your dark horse pick before the tournament, and now Portugal has to play them right away. I know. I'm Yeah. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's the big question right off the top. Germany out. What happened? Wow. Uh, I mean, they had a, a, a lapse there against Mexico. Mexico came out so strong against them. They were playing incredibly well. And I think we talked about it a little bit beforehand. German uh, Germany's goaltender uh, Neuer there, he had some injury this year. I believe he hadn't played until September, or since September, something like that. So he, so he wasn't all that fresh either. Um, it, you know, it just, it just happens. And uh, I saw one crazy stat that the last three uh, defending World Cup champions went out in the in the group stage in the following World Cup. So maybe it was an omen. You know what's interesting, Kevin? Um, I, I, I was cheering for Germany, but it seems like if they were playing an attacking-style team, maybe the result would have been different, but they had to go up against Sweden, which just sat there in the box and defended the entire game. They couldn't really get anything going on the transition or the counterattack. I don't watch a lot of soccer. I'm assuming you watch hockey. That's how teams score a lot of their goals. So you would think in soccer it would be the same. It just seemed like those teams sat back and they just never could get anything going, Germany. Well, I think it's just one of those those things when you go up against like when you see the draw and all of a sudden it's like wow we've got germany hey you know what let's play for a draw let's sit back let's go on that counter attack and that's what mexico did mexico was absolutely deadly on those counter attacks i mean it was just tidal wave after tidal wave of, of offense it was it was incredible to watch and you know i'll tell you i was a little scared there with mexico uh when they were down against uh, sweden because it was just like a team like them did not, the way they've been playing this World Cup didn't deserve to miss out. So lucky for them, Germany had the misfortune of uh, dropping a 2-0 decision to South Korea, which, again, for anyone who didn't watch that game, that score is, is flattering because, quite frankly, towards the end, Germany was putting everyone up front to try and get something, anything to happen. It just was not their tournament whatsoever. 
Well, Corsi means nothing, I guess, in soccer because I think Germany had like 80% possession in that game. Right. So, <laughs> well, usually the odds are usually they would they would win. That's what yeah. Corsi yeah. tells us. Look, I, I got to bring this up, Kevin, to get your take on it. I actually don't mind this. I think it's the seventh tiebreaker, so it's not like yeah. the first thing they went to. But Japan advanced past Senegal because they had fewer yellow cards, four against six, in That's the group right. stage of the tournament. Goals for and against were tied. Goal differential was tied. They tied each other, so they wound up uh, with the yellow cards. You as a hardcore soccer fan, give us, first of all, do you like this, and why did they decide to institute this? Because I think it's the first World Cup they've had it for. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, do I like it? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, if quite frankly, if you're still tied, like you said, the seventh tiebreaker, I'd rather it be down to fair play then it comes down to the next tiebreaker, which is both teams get put into a, into a hat and then they draw and there you go. You know, I would much rather have the fair play rewarding the teams for, for their better play. So, I mean, that's, that's a great way to put it. And let's just remember one thing. Canada in 2000, when they won the Gold Cup, they advanced to the knockout stages through a draw. So um, this isn't unprecedented to see tiebreakers like this. The fair play part is certainly new. It almost came into effect with Portugal and Spain as well. Um, So, yeah, in some ways I do feel bad for Senegal because it's a tough way to go out. But, hey, everyone knows the rules. you got to play a a good game. And and if it gets the the diving and some of the other, you know, poor sportsmanship out of the game, then, hey, that's a good thing. Yeah, I remember that Gold Cup because I think Canada was in a pool with three teams and every game ended in a 2-2 tie. So they yeah, had two teams advanced, so they put them all in a half. I don't, I don't know if they Yeah, it was Canada actually... and South Korea for sure that were involved in the, in the tiebreaker. I'm not sure if someone else was either. But yeah, Canada and South Korea for sure. Canada advanced, and hey, it worked out for them. They ended up beating Colombia in the final. All right, Kevin. So tomorrow's off. Your Portuguese are going to play Uruguay on uh, Saturday. France and Argentina play. I mean, they're all huge games at this point. Give us, give us maybe your marquee matchup though from the round of sixteen. Ooh, that's a great question. You know what? I'm very curious with Brazil and Mexico. I said before that Brazil's the team to. Uh, this is their World Cup to lose. Um, they haven't been all that impressive, quite frankly. And Mexico, despite their 3 nothing loss to Sweden, I think they have something to prove. That could be a big upset there. Um, and other than that, I mean, France-Argentina, I mean, that's going to be such a good, fun game to watch. Uh, and watch out for Croatia. I think Croatia is a team that, especially because of where they are on the bracket, I think that they have a team that could very well uh, end up in a World Cup final, which would just be stunning. What about Russia, the host nation? Do they have any chance against Spain? Do they have a chance against Spain? Yes. The way David De Gea has been playing, absolutely. But I would be shocked if Russia did that. You know, I should be asking you, Brendan. You're the one that's in third place in our friendly World Cup pool. So uh, maybe you're the soccer whisperer here. No, definitely not. A little bit lucky, but I picked Germany to win it all, so it didn't work out anyways. I'll probably, I don't have a chance, I guess. Yeah, I think I still owe you the 10 bucks entry for that, Kevin. I'll, I'll mail it to you. Get it from Kevin Carius, okay? Perfect. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, anytime, guys. Have fun. Good luck to Portugal, by the way. I heard Suarez is coming out biting for that game. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. I love it, guys. Talk to you soon. That is Kevin Jesus from Global Television. He'll keep us updated on his thoughts throughout the, uh, the World Cup.
Yeah, Germany out, the big shocker. I, I think Russia making it out of their pool is is a pretty big shocker as well. And I, I don't give them a chance against Spain. No, I don't either. But I mean, they'll probably get... <laughs> now they're going to win 4-1. Yeah. Uh, late in the first quarter, Ottawa leading Calgary. CFL action tonight. The Eskimos will play the BC Lions tomorrow night here on 6.30, Chad. The uh, countdown to kickoff will start at 6. The game will be at 8. Free agency Sunday in the NHL. Keep it tuned to 6.30, Chad, throughout the day. We'll uh, update you as necessary. And both Bob and I will have live shows on Monday, July 2nd. Actually, Bob's going to have a there's now from noon to 2. I'll do inside sports from 6 to 7.30 on Monday. And Jason Moss will be in for the coaches show, hopefully talking about a win yes. over the BC Lions from 7.30 to 8. And uh, then the Eskimos have the home and home against the Argos. And James Franklin's going to get thrown. I mean, he wanted to be a starter. I think when he got traded there, he thought Ricky Ray would retire and he'd be the starter. Well, now, unfortunately, because of the Ricky Ray injury, he gets put in there. Yeah, and he's never really had a chance to be the starter for more than one game. So we'll see right. what happens here. I, I thought he looked pretty good after coming in, after Ray was taken out of that game. I'm fortunate to see him go down the way he did. You feel for him, obviously, but you, you also sort of feel good for Franklin to get a chance here. You want to root for him to, to do well, being a former Eskimo. I always liked him on the Eskimos. always wanted to see him succeed, so I think he has the talent and he's that mobile quarterback that seems to be working in the CFL right now. You look at Mazzoli, what he just did. Uh, Riley, of course, has had so much success being a mobile quarterback, so I don't see why he cannot find success either. Mazzoli He's a great story and a former Eskimo. Don't forget, he came in. He came in with the Eskimos. Never really got to play here. And the thing with him now, and and you obviously were covering that game. I went back and watched the extended highlights. I decided not to subject myself to watching the entire game off my PBR <laughs> PBR from Friday. But Masoli is elusive. But for CFL quarterbacks, because a lot of the good quarterbacks can scramble and keep plays alive. That's just part of the Canadian game. But it's when you see guys start to keep their eyes downfield when they're running. And and Riley, when you go back to the Riley of 2013, when the Eskimos were bad, when he would run, it was tucked right away and he was scrambling. And I think Chris Jones and that staff really helped them move out of the pocket, but keep your eyes downfield and keep the ball in a throwing position. And I saw Mazzoli doing that. He, you got to have the escape ability to begin with, but then you still have to think, I'm a passer first. I, I know running quarterbacks are always glorified in the CFL, as they should be. But a lot of the guys who were known as scramblers, that was, that was bonus yardage. That was something they could do when they, as a last resort. They still were passers first. I think Riley learned that, and I think Mazzoli's now there as well. Yeah, and he, I think he's a total package, as you say. Like, he's really impressive. He's a chip on his shoulder as well with all this Man- Manziel talk, so he's tough. Um, and he has a really good connection with Brandon Banks. The speed, the way that Banks gets open in the way that you just talk, like, downfield, and then, of course, Mazzoli, as you talked about, his his elusiveness. He can extend plays and then find Banks who can get open at will. So it's an impressive combo, those two. All right, they're presenting the Billy Moores Cup here at the downtown community rink. It goes to the team in the white jerseys, Team Messier, led by two goals from Kyler Yamamoto. Evan Bouchard and Graham McPhee also scored the goaltenders, the two top goalie prospects in the system, Stuart Skinner and Olivier Rodrigue. This was a two-20-minute uh, half game, two teams uh, made up of 12 players each. So obviously they, they didn't have uh, the, the full the full game, and they did a little bit of four-on. They didn't do the four-on-four four in the second half, but they did the last 10 minutes of the first half. 
Who would you say was your uh, standouts of the game, Reed? Three stars. Ooh, three stars? I know, Robin, you do four stars, or you do the four star. Then we can do the four stars. Well, I'd have to go with Yamamoto. First star? Yep. Yep. Um, second star, jeez. I'd probably go McPhee and then Maximoff because he really had he was yeah, the best player in the second half. Now Bouchard still played well. I liked McLeod's speed. I liked some things actually from Cameron Hebig tonight. Mm-hmm. Seems smart and competitive out there. Yeah, a lot of uh, impressive players tonight. Benson had a few good looks, didn't score. And yeah, I would Skinner say was, was Skinner was the best probably. goalie in the game, but the goalies don't get. I mean, they each get one twenty-minute period. Yeah, overall, good showing. McPhee, well, McPhee is probably the four-star. His effort tonight was outstanding. He looked like a young William Carlson. He's, he's going to be one interesting to watch. Yeah, he moved around pretty well. Quick salute here for the fans who uh, came out on a nice day in late June in Edmonton. So now we shift our attention to free agency. I don't think we see anybody on the ice for a while until they start rolling, <laughs> rolling in in August. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich at the Downtown Community Rink. Hey, Sports Central has something great going on here coming up. Sheldon Alexson's their executive director. He's going to check in after the break. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mr. Riley, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Check out the new spring chicken menu with spring-inspired fix-ins. Start your salivating at northchickenyeg.com. Been a fun show tonight. Well, we've been on location two nights in a row. Last night we were at the Edmonton Prospects game at Remax Field. They wound up losing 6-2 to the Okotoks Dogs. Tonight, downtown community rink just wrapped up the Billy Moore's Cup. The inner squad game to conclude the Oilers' development camp. It was Team Messier over Team Gretzky 4-2. For Messier, Yamamoto scored twice. Evan Bouchard and Graham McPhee also scored. Kirill Maximoff had both goals for Team Gretzky. Hey, I, I got to tell you something here that's going on with Sports Central. They do such great work. And to talk more about that, their executive director checks in tonight, Sheldon Alexson. Sheldon, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Uh, hi, Reed. Uh, uh, thanks for bringing me on. By the way, you're coming to the Mark Spector Golf Classic on July 25th. Oh, am I? Well, that's, I'd love to. I'm asking if you are. Did Mark Spector invite you or what? Uh, I, I, I haven't seen an invite yet, but I'll gladly come. That sounds great. <laughs> well, if you're not playing, you'll probably still be coming, Reed, because uh, usually Todd McClellan holds a press conference there. Uh, and we invite all the media out. So, anyways, that's a separate event. We're not talking about that right now, anyway. Well, we will. We will closer too, because that's a fun one for sure. But something huge is going on tomorrow, Sheldon. I I got the notes, but you're involved in this and everything going on. So I'll let you tell everybody uh, okay. what is uh, happening at the Summerside Save on Foods tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, this uh, Sports Central is part of a larger event that's called the Road to the Games, and it's just a series of. Uh, of events being held uh, in different communities uh, across uh, Alberta, so Lethbridge, Calgary, Edmonton, and Grand Prairie. So it's leading up, obviously, to the uh, Alberta Summer Games that are being held uh, in July in Grand Prairie. And, of course, uh, the Summer Games are all about sport and getting active, and one of the ways that uh, we're encouraging that is by... uh, uh, reminding people that all children should be playing, uh, not just a few. And uh, Sports Central has always been a part of the solution to get low-income kids and, and uh, involved in the game by giving them equipment for free if they qualify. 
So tomorrow, uh, there's this uh, event being held uh, at the Summerside uh, Save-On Foods, and we're asking people to come out and uh, to donate uh, any used, gently used or new equipment they might have. And we're going to even be so kind as to provide a barbecued hamburger or hot dog for those who bring a gift. And if they don't have any uh, equipment, Reed, if they bring uh, a donation of cash, anything for, uh, for $5 and up, we'll also feed you. So can you beat a better deal than that? This sounds great. So this is 8 a.m. to 6 tomorrow. Save on Foods, 1120 91st Street Southwest in Edmonton. So uh, this is so incredible what you guys are doing. Now, when you say gently use sports equipment, Sheldon, uh, you know, if people think, oh, geez, I wonder, will this be good enough? Is it is it too beat up? You know, is it, is it okay to just bring it and maybe you guys can fix it up? Or, or what's a good yeah. guideline here? Yeah, you know, you you raise a good point. I mean, everybody's uh, got a little bit of a slightly different definition of gently used. But I I would say if you're not sure, then uh, don't worry about it. Bring it in. We have a team of volunteers that go through every piece of equipment and determine if it's something that we can uh, can use or perhaps it needs to be repaired. Uh, it always amazes me, though, sometimes we'll get a, you know, a pair of uh, 1942 skates uh, and... Uh, People donate that thinking that we're going to give it out to the kids, but it's not even legal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, a little more recent than uh, World War II era. That's what we're that looking would be, for. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Now, if it's in really good shape, I actually keep some of the old classic stuff. And if you ever came down to Sports uh, Central, Reed, I could show you some old leather shin pads that are in mint condition, and they actually have wooden dowels in them. So the whole idea is that... If you took a shot and the puck broke the dowels, you pulled the dowels out of the leather pouches and put in new dowels. It's fantastic. You should wow. see this thing. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, and by the way, you guys are still 11847 Wayne Gretzky Drive North if people ever want to go actually drop something off there or make a donation there as well. Yes. So, And I also wanted to tell you that this uh, it's a partnership between ourselves, Alberta Sport Connection, Kids Sport, and Rosano Transport. And uh, we're all kind of working together on this thing. Rosano's bringing a, a, thir- a 53-foot trailer that's going to be parked in the parking lot. And we're going to attempt to fill it, which is a big task. Have you ever looked inside of a 53-foot trailer when it's empty? It looks yeah, like a it's amazing. Looks, well, I was going to say it looks like a football field. But, yeah, it's, it's, it takes up quite a bit of space for sure. Hey, Sheldon, I, I, got, I got one more for you here because, uh, you know, hockey's obviously the, the number one sport in this country, but we got so many kids doing so many different things. Yes. Is there a sport where you're thinking, man, we could really use a little more of this because the participation's coming on and we're getting more people taking a look at it? Yes, so thanks for that question, uh, Reed. It's a good one. So, you know, the equipment ebbs and flows, and so does the sports, because uh, it may not be hockey season uh, now, but we, we give equipment out for 13 different sports, including bikes. So I talked to my team. I said, hey, what do we need? What's urgent? And I was given a short list here, and uh, I'll just read them off. So bicycles for boys and girls ages 8 to 11. We're running dangerously short of those, and we always do every year. Badminton rackets is something that we have requests oh. for and we're short of. Small scooters, sometimes for the little kids who can't ride a bike, but uh, they don't want to be left out. We just give them a scooter. 
left-handed and right-handed junior golf clubs. We get a lot of golf clubs, but they tend to be adult. So if anybody's got some junior golf clubs that nobody's using, please bring them in. Uh, sizes 10 to 13 junior roller blades and bicycle helmets. If people have those, we can use them. So that's kind of a shortened uh, Reader's Digest version of what we need right now. So do you guys fish the adult golf clubs out of all the water hazards <laughs> after they're thrown in? <laughs> no, but uh, you should see some of the stuff that we get in, Reed. And uh, what's inside the bags is probably the most entertaining. So people are kind of forgetting to pull out the half-drank uh, Mickey. Uh, oh, we found bongs in there. We've got, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I could go into greater detail, but it might be uh, censored. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we'll we'll do that at the golf tournament. Okay, so uh, again, the the address is one one two zero ninety first Street Southwest Sports Central. Looking to fill the Rosenau transport truck from eight a.m. to six tomorrow. It's at the Summerside Save on Foods. Uh, please donate, Sheldon. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome on any time when you got thanks. something going on. Yeah, tell everybody to come and have a barbecue lunch and bring some equipment or cash. That is Sheldon Alexson checking in tonight, Executive Director of Sport Central. They do such incredible work. I hope you can donate tomorrow with the Summerside Save on Foods. Thanks to Brendan Ulrich for sitting in with me tonight. You also heard from Morley Scott and Kevin Jesus. Thanks to the Oilers for accommodating us here at the downtown Edmonton Community Rink. Good game for Yamamoto in the Billy Moore's Cup. Tomorrow at 6, football broadcast starts. Game at 8, Eskimos and Lions. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our engineer for the setup. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy is the studio producer. Happy Canada today. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.